sorry. I have children too, but guess what? They go to bed. Anywho, welcome back to another episode of Unapologetically Black, Never Broken, Always Empowered. I am Brittany, joined by my dope-ass co-hosts, Dre and Rich. Gang. <laughs> um, and we are being joined by Rochelle and Karen. Welcome. Hello. What's good? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? We chilling. So we always start every episode off with a mental health check-in. So how are y'all feeling? I'm going to start with Rochelle. How you feeling I'm good. I'm definitely good. Awesome. And Claren, how are you feeling? How's your week been? Oh man, it is going well. Things are falling in place. I'm um I'm, I'm very optimistic about tomorrow. Um, my mental right now, man. I'm 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 strong right now mentally than I've than I've been probably in the past um maybe ten years. Um, so I'm very excited to be around healthy people, around people who understand the mental and, 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 and really don't mind um, opening up conversations or opening up space for conversations for black men and, 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 and what we deal with with our mental. I was around a person this week and it was the first time that I literally uh, was around a black woman who wanted to know what I wanted. I, I, it blew my mind because I've never been around, and I've been around a lot of people, but I've never been around somebody who was very adamant and 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 wanted to know what I wanted. What did what did I want? Usually, uh, as men, we, it's just hard for us to get with partners that really are interested in what we want uh, versus what we bring to the table. And and and, and so I thank you for allowing me to be here today. I'm feeling good. We're gonna have a great time. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Rich, how you feeling? Tired. Other than that, uh, I'm good. You know, chilling. Starting new ventures, helping people out. I learned some new stuff. Uh, so helping people build their uh, financial literacy when it comes to credit, when it comes to uh, you know just all different types of stuff. Uh, one thing that I believe the black community don't have enough knowledge of is finances. Um, I definitely believe that it's something that people and, you know, they they don't want to take it serious until it's time to take it serious. You know, right. I'm to go buy a car. And when you get there, you want to know why you can't get the car that you want or why the down payment got to be so high or why your interest rate is thirty nine percent. But, you know, I digress. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know it is what it is. You know, why black people. Oh, Other than that, I'm good. How y'all doing? I'm cooling. Um, so I'm still trying to balance this whole work life situation, uh, going from not having a job to working remotely. Like I was sitting on the couch. I looked at the clock. I was like, it's noon. I should like go send some emails or like do something like so just trying to like figure out that balance and what works best for me. Um, my wonderful husband just got a new job. He starts tomorrow. And um, we're getting, we're still, we're in our last week of living here. So we're packing up. It's, it's been, you know, good crazy. I too am looking forward to tomorrow because my paycheck should be coming in the mail and waiting on it via snail mail <laughs> for the past week, two weeks. So hopefully that drops because, you know, that's four stacks that could be used. <laughs> so, yeah. Dre, how you feeling? Irritated as hell. 
Last, but certainly not least. <laughs> and I had to clopen and go to my second job this morning to find out I was only supposed to be there for four hours, only work three. And then when I got home, I couldn't even fall asleep because I had to make sure I was up for the podcast. Well, thanks for being here. We You're welcome. Thinking about us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, I can't. Anywho, um, so today's episode is originally it was does racism still exist? But we all obviously know the answer to that question, right? That's not even really a question. So when I made the stream today, I couldn't think of anything else. I just went with racism. But in general, we're going to just be talking about our personal experiences, um, just how do we combat it, all that good stuff, right? Because um, all month we've been talking about different forms of racism and how like the sundown towns and slavery still existing. So here we are. All of us are gathered here today. Um, so I guess I'll just start off by asking, well, actually, I'm going to start off by having you two as our guests introduce yourselves, who you are, what y'all do, um, and then just answer the question of, like, give me one time, one, one significant time in your life um, where you experience racism. And either one of y'all can start it. We can do ladies first. We can do okay. Florida. Yeah, ladies first. There you go. Ladies first. Um, well, <laughs> Simple and plain. Yeah, I'm Rochelle Camille. Uh, my full time and consulting job is in HR, um, and um, and also I live here in Canada. I would say my most significant ones have actually been since being in Canada, not even living in Texas. So it was, I was with my mother-in-law, who is a white woman. Um, and I went to a shopper's, which is like your CVS Walgreens. Mm-hmm. And the, this Middle Eastern woman wouldn't talk to me about me asking for makeup for a family member's wedding, but would talk to my mother-in-law. And I love the fact that my mother-in-law was like, you see her right there, right? Talk to her. Like this 65-year-old white woman who is like totally sheltered and how she stepped in, steps in continually to say that she exists, that I exist. Right. And you should treat her like she does. So that's one. Was that in Canada or was that in Texas? Oh, it's Canada. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that some more because that's really interesting. Um, so, Clara, you could introduce well, yourself, sir. Well, um, I'm a fourth generation Austinite from Austin, Texas, okay. a revolutionary activist, author, and educator. Um, full-time musician, full-time father, uh, started a school, church. Um, I got programs. I'm a self-published author. Uh, and I can go down the list, okay? And um, being in the South, um, you expect a certain form of racism, okay? Being in prison, if you haven't been to prison, you see racism fully. So the things that, uh, you know, and that's not to, you know, uh, lighten up what your experience was, uh, uh, Rachel, or I believe Rachel, right? Or Rochelle? Okay. Rochelle. Okay. Um, not to lighten up your experience, but in prison, you see racism poorly. Outside of prison, you see the white supremacy mind frame that has allowed us to even have these conversations now. 
But in face-to-face -face racism, I don't know how many of you guys seen face-to-face -face racism. And what I mean is the Aaron brothers, the, the, all the people we know, the white knights, Ku Klux, everybody. These people are live, breathing. They study. They're doing everything that they've been doing. And in prison, man, that's what it is. Is you know, you got gangs, you got the Crips, you got the Bloods, you got the Muslims, you got the you got the uh, 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 white knights, you got uh, uh, you know, uh, plenty of gangs. And so they section off. And even the Spanish people don't like black people. And my 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 first time going to prison, which was my only time, but my first time going to prison, I I did not know. So many different races did not like or was raised to not like black people. Mm -hmm. It was a total culture shock. I didn't know Spanish people who consider themselves brown because I know I'm brown, but they consider themselves brown and some of them are. But they didn't they didn't like me because I was black. Not because I offended them, not because I presented myself aggressively or nothing. It's just they didn't like me because they were raised. Now, outside of prison, the normal interaction of racism that I run into is the white supremacy mind frame. And when anybody has that mind frame, black people become racist, white people become more racist, Mexican people become racist, Chinese people become racist. And I believe, Rochelle, that's what you experience. You experience white supremacy and the thinking pattern of any person who has already adopted Western lifestyle. And this is worldwide. And so, yeah, you can be in Canada and still run into a 65-year-old white woman as if she was in Georgia no, no, or she's in Texas. My 65-year-old mother-in-law was the person who defended me from a Middle Eastern. Like, oh, how old, how old was the Middle Eastern woman? She was in her 30s. Okay, uh, excuse me, about the number of, of age. But the fact is, you go to Canada... Uh, I heard a lot about Canada. I don't really, I've never been there myself, but I just see so many colorful people, right? And it's just one place that you wouldn't really expect to run into this. Now, even a 30-year-old Middle Eastern and validates what I'm telling you. A 30-year-old Middle, Middle Eastern don't know shit, okay? So if she has white supremacy, this tells you how far this sickness and this disease have ran around the world. You can go anywhere and run into somebody who's thinking white supremacist, whether they're 20 or 30. Absolutely. And that's my experience. You said a lot. Uh, uh, I don't even know if I have an experience after that. <laughs> <laughs> we got him. We got him. Mine is I'm from so I'm from Houston, Texas, right? So I'm I'm you already know. So this the the, the situation is the same. I've never been in prison though. So mine is more of the I guess white supremacy style of racism, where you know they'll say stuff like boy, um, you know, stuff like that. But that's so that they don't, so that they can say, well, I didn't say the N word. I just said boy, and since technically. You know, I think at the time I was I was 16, you know, technically I am a boy. I'm not, but we know how he meant, it, you know. Mm -hmm. I know how it is when I walk in and all the Vietnamese people walk in, they just stare at just you as you shop around. And then they tell you, hurry up, you know, you you hey, you buying. But then when the white dude walk in, they say, oh, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. You know, 
So that's the kind of stuff that I grew up with, right? It was just more of the, okay, cool. But, you know, also in A-Leaf, it was more black people too. So, I mean, it was a lot of us. There were times where, you know, you've seen black people beating up the Asian people, you've seen all kinds of stuff happening, right? So, but I don't, they, I don't believe that, I believe that, I don't believe that they were beat up because they were Asian, right? I believe that they were beat up because one, you may have walked into the wrong neighborhood where they do not take kindly to strangers no matter who you are. Or that Asian was in a gang and then you got beat up for that reason, right? Where I've seen people get beat up because they were black, not because they were in a gang, not because they walked on the wrong, but because, and I think those are where some of the differences where I grew up at, that's what that was. It's because you were black, this is why that happened. Where we never treated people because they were white or because they were this, that's why we did, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think for me, the most significant experience would have been as a child, because not that children are colorblind, but they don't know to hate someone because of their skin tone. You go to school, you just see kids. I remember at one point there was a little boy um, who is I'm just going to go with Asian because I'm not I, I'm not sure, maybe Japanese, but he was my friend and it was like kindergarten I was like mommy that's my friend Josh and my mom's like the Asian kid and I said I don't know what that is like that's just my friend like the one with the red backpack and that's how kids you know go through life so I was probably and I think I told this story on the podcast before but I was in elementary school and we had to have bathroom buddies and um you know I picked the girl one of the girls next to me to be my bathroom buddy and she didn't want to be my bathroom buddy because I was black and that's essentially what she said. And like hearing that as a kid, you're so confused. You immediately go back to your parent and you're like, what, what is this? Like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's probably the most significant time. I'm from Michigan. So, mm-hmm. and then the area in Michigan I'm from, not just the area I'm from, but the area I'm from was mostly Jewish. And then the schools I went to were private, Catholic, all white schools, essentially. There were a couple, <laughs> I think my sister and I were the only two black people from kindergarten to eighth grade for a while. <laughs> um, so, but um, even with that being said, I didn't, I've, I have yet to experience like someone coming up to me and being like, you're a nigger. You know what I mean? Like, but the passive racism is, it's all damn near every day. You see it every day. A white yeah. person not holding the door. Sound like, you. sound like the little girl said that in so many words. <laughs> no, I don't know. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, and you can go right after me, Dre, but I think it is for me is the passive is more annoying. I'd rather you be more upfront. Same. It's the passive aggressiveness and the I'm not racist, but then you do racist slick shit that irritates me. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is why I didn't I I didn't mind Trump's run, right? Because Trump's run yeah. let us know, like, hey, Where he's we it. it's there, like it's right, it's right there where everyone else it's in the background right it's the we not gonna hire you because we know your name sounds black where trump was like yeah no we don't care you're black we're not gonna do it i mean at least i know where i stand you know um for me the most direct racism i know i told the story on a podcast a couple episodes ago but uh, this is me and my cousin playing down the street. We have him play too close to this white man's property. He tells my little cousin, you want to live or you want to die? We don't know what happened to the old man after that because I've never seen dude again. But quite frankly, I don't care. I don't feel bad for racists. Anyways, 
shortly after that, I learned a little bit more about my neighborhood. Um, you know, we had uh, a place called Below the Tracks, and that was where all the white people had lived a couple of years uh, ago. And then above the tracks is all the white uh, black people had lived. Then we had a few of them relics that were still in the neighborhood. So there's a little bit of racism still scattered throughout my, uh, my uh, Hazelwood. Yeah. So since Rich had mentioned um, Trump and MAGA, Make America Great Again, uh, my question to y'all is when was America great? Never. <laughs> right. Well, I guess when it was first formed. <laughs> it depends on what you're talking about. So yeah, it's Killer Mike pointed it out. I think it was right after the Civil War where we had control of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and everything that we did was black owned. All right. Now, that was when it was great for us. But yeah. notice what happened shortly after we showed our greatness. Burn that shit down. They burned it down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And since then, it has never been great since then because we had our own welders, we had we had our own farmers, we had our own supermarkets, our own banking system, we had our own infrastructure on how we did it because black people at the time were the only workers who knew how to work with their hands. Mm-hmm. Right? So we had our, we had the city going and thriving and growing and moving. And then they were like, oh wait, nah, you niggas is moving too great outside the Civil War, which was what, 17? 17-something, you know, when the Civil War was, and then... 1860s to, so the reconstruction was like 18, 1866 to 1872. Yeah, you know, old, old, olden days, but <laughs> that's when it was great for Black people. After that, you can't tell me a decade time frame where it would consider to be great for Black people. See, Rich, I only, not to take away from Black Wall Street, I only say it was never great because to me, greatness has to last. And for all minorities, there's never been a single period of time where greatness actually lasted long enough for another generation to experience it. It was always snatched away during that generation actually trying to build it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, my take on when was America greatest, I kind of agree uh, exactly with, with uh, what you just said. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's just ever been great for us uh, I'm pretty sure it hasn't never really been great for us, but at the same time, I don't believe that we we're we're all transcend from Africa. I believe that in some way, but I don't believe just the notion of we were brought here to be slaves. I believe we inherited this land a lot longer, uh, way before white people ever came. I believe that we were already here. I believe that it was great when we were here, and that's why they came, you know, to explore and see the greatness. And then and, and, and seeing that we didn't have any trouble on the borders of the waters, it wasn't no wars going on, the land was full and plentiful. Uh, but uh, outside of that, I don't believe that it's ever been great. And I, I also believe that a lot of minorities have been used to shut out the African-American black man in the United States. And I'm talking about even if we get people from Mexico or wherever we come, we're talking about a country that has allowed over 3.3 million immigrants into this country soon as we were able to work, soon as we were able to integrate 
they brought three million more people from all over the country that could be considered Asian, brown, whatever they were, and gave them all the union jobs, made sure that we still wasn't being able to work, we still wasn't able to get what we were supposed to get out of integration because it was given to somebody else. And still now to this day, you can't find a black man that works in a warehouse that is not being discriminated against, that is not being muled, and that is not being treated in this racist atmosphere by all other cultures except white folks. I see it every day. So, I mean, I don't think this country's been great, and I don't even want to add all minorities into the treatment of black backs because black backs solely created this country, and everybody just pretty much piggybacked on our pain and said, okay, we'll attach ourselves to them because we're we're already told that we're different. But as soon as the white man tell the other cultures that they're different and, and, and they come and, and, and they, they rather stay in the middle and they still don't like us. They still don't want to embrace us. They still don't want to fight for us. They still don't speak out for us. But guess what? Anybody that's lighter can always consider themselves white. Just like you said, you know, if he was Asian, Japanese, guess what? He was a white boy. You thought he was Asian, Japanese, but guess what? When he got here, it probably was white on his birth certificate. Because these are the ways and the tricks of things of white supremacy. This is why I say when you say racism, I say white supremacy. It's too hard for us to walk into a, a place and, and all the white folks look up and be like, nigger, get out of here. No, nigger, you can't come in here. That's kind of a little hard. It's hard to find that. It exists, but it's hard. But what you will always see, where you will see them abusing power, you will see them doing subliminal hate, you'll see them making sure that you don't get the position at HR that, that you've been working to get for the last five years, and as soon as the white woman walked through the door, they handed the job. So you'll see these things, and you'll think racism, but we have to reprogram and re-educate ourselves in a higher level. It cannot be Facebook value racism. This racism has a smoke screen. It has been disguised. It had even been put in other people of color. Okay? That's how deep this racism is. It is a mental thing, and we have to attack it in a mental war. That's what I believe. And just to comment to that, and I think that's, that's from my perception, the difference between racism in Canada versus racism in the States. In the States, it's always said it's the great melting pot. So it's what I compare it to is you come here and you give up your ethnic heritage to, to grab onto this quote-unquote American um, dream. But in Canada, we have what they call the great mosaic. You keep your ethnic heritage. However, how racism sifts it depends on the hierarchy in which you live in based on not only just skin color, but just hit your historical background. Like people don't realize, well, I didn't realize until I moved here, there's a hierarchy in whiteness. And when it's whites against whites or Europeans against Europeans, you can see that fight. Like you would have Dutch um, fight with Italians and all these other things. But when other peoples of color, especially here black and indigenous um it would be we're gonna work together to keep them to keep those people out um so yeah it is a mental thing in here 
is definitely one of those situations where you can see black hands all over American history. Mm-hmm. You can see in the laws and other things. But in Canada, they were very successful at keeping black hands and indigenous hands off of the laws, out of the government by using politeness or what um, what people have been saying, this passive racism mm. to do Bro. that. So me moving here and realizing there were still a lot of black women here afraid to wear their natural hair, afraid to be who they are, it broke my heart. Mm. I mean, even down to, you know, a lot of people in, our, in my age group, which I'm 30, I'm 33, most of them had one black teacher, one. And I grew up where all my teachers pretty much were black or African. They didn't ha- they didn't have that here. There were just now you're seeing in the last 20, 30 years of seeing more and more black women be, becoming nurses and lawyers. If you go look into Canadian history outside of Nova Scotia, because Nova Scotia is unique microcosm from the slaves coming through the Underground Railroad. But if you look, you be, we didn't get our, I think our first black something to like 1965 or something. But we've seen black people in the States do that for like for decades. Like it's, the do you think, so different. Do you think, do you have, uh, I got one question for everybody on the panel. What is an indigenous person and have you ever seen one? I'm not talking about the people that look like Mexicans that dress up with the flowers in their head and just yell that they goddamn me Indian. I really want to know what the hell an indigenous person look like and when the last time, if you ever seen one. Okay, hold on. I, I, I think this is from Native American no, to but answer that particular question. But the, the indigenous doesn't necessarily mean Native Americans. That means that in the North American context, but in Africa, Africans are indigenous. In Australia, right. the those people that were there before whites came over, those are indigenous. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who are who native to the land? That's that what I and so I want to know what does what does have anybody them. seen them though? Like have anybody seen the actual natives to this land? Because what we're taught is we're we're not natives. We don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't, I've never really met too many people. And I've met a lot of black people who claim that they some part Indian or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but, but, but they, they can't show you. They can't show you. They have no information. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're 40% Indian or whatever you think you are, then why the hell are you putting African American on your birth certificate? On your job, what is where did you get African American from? That's a But considering that most of the United States belonged to Mexico prior to, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus coming over, and prior to the Spanish War, most of the United States belonged to Mexico. So then they were black. They, that means that most of the United States people look like me then. Because if you go through Mexico, Honduras, anywhere else, all them people speaking Spanish look just like me. So, but, but my thing is, is, wouldn't most of the native people of this land be Mexican? Because it's no. Mexico. That's the thing. What is a Mexican? Even in Mexico, they practice slavery. Every Mexican I see is pale. 
But when you get there, guess what the Mexicans look like? Me. They my color. And guess what? They ain't never had a Mexican president my color. But the whole country is full of Mexicans my color. Matter of fact, we go over there right now. Every Mexican come out they have to look like all five of them. Right now. Talking Spanish. And the sad part is, you know, they've, they've, they've done and numbed down this. And, and, they, and they throw it out and just people just grab it and they say, okay, well, I'm going to attach myself to this. And I'm going to attach myself to this because of my tone of skin. The truth is, it's repulsive now. That's how ignorant it is. Because we're literally saying racism has been bought and placed in tone of skin. And guess what? Slavery was all about tone of skin. Your ass too dark, you're from Africa. You could have been from, from, from Houston. You were never from Africa, but because you're dark, now you done already got given the 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 the, the African American tag, the, the Negro tag, all these other tags they gave us that don't give us rights to the land. Now we stuck in a country who don't own none of the land and paying and buying property and houses, and then they give us a deed and a, and, a, and and put our name on a deed as an occupant or, or or somebody who is who is living there instead of true ownership. Because anybody that owns something, I'm pretty sure you guys on here own something. I don't give them as a pair of socks. I bet you ain't gonna say I'm the I'm the leaseholder of these socks. Oh, I paid one point. I paid five hundred thousand dollars for this house, and you don't say I got. I'm the, the title. My name on. No, motherfucker. I won't. Pair on. I'm the owner. Meaning that I don't give y'all shit, cause y'all don't own shit. You don't get no taxes. You don't get nothing. And the indigenous people have already been separated in this position, and all of them look Mexican. I ain't seen one of them look like us yet. But so. <sighs> I want to point this out. Michelle said that Mexican is a nationality and not a race. But I want to, I want to, I want someone to explain the difference, right? So that way, yeah. we, that way we'll stop messing it up and mix. Well, it that's up. what they call themselves. I'm from Texas. They call themselves Mexican. Right. I ain't so calling no Mexican. I'm from the two are so interchangeable that it could almost mean the same thing. Hey, so guess what? You me. know why they call themselves Mexican? So they won't have to say they got no black in them. It ain't our fault they don't want no black in them. But guess what? You're 30% black. You're going to always have it in you. The truth is, we already seen the difference between Mexicans and the inter and all that stuff. Guess what? The people who embrace this, they call themselves Latinos. They already gave themselves a name. But isn't they it, already, is it Latino nationality because they're from Latin? So no, they're not from Latin. No, they're not from Latin. Ain't no place called Ain't no place called Latin. They call Latino because they from Brazil, Puerto Rico, Cuba, all these other places. And guess what they do? They embrace their Afroism. They embrace their Black heritage because they are aware of it. Afro Latinas. That's yeah. different. That that is. So, like Michelle said. Mexi Mexicans is a nationality, like American is a nationality. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's like when you go, like me immigrating to Canada, my nationality was American. My race was, I put um, I put um, black and um, American indigenous. Um, so like, that's like the, primarily the difference. And I have seen indigenous people 
primarily here in Canada, that have generations. We're not talking no papers because how America deals with Native Americans and how Canada deals with it is two different things. Like, for example, I learned today there is a um, a um, indigenous nation, because in Canada we call them nations, not tribes, um, that lives on one side of the Quebec border and on the other side is the U.S. border. And they travel between the two, and we have what we call non-status and status indigenous people. So status means you get all the legal rights. Non-status means you don't get all the legal rights, but there is some lineage, a part of you, some DNA that says you are indigenous. But in America, you have to jump through all these hoops and everything else to get any kind of status. And we have to not forget that some part of Native American history, Black people were enslaved to those people. So we don't even yeah. know we were we were we're Native American because you know somebody loved each other and they you know had sex and made babies. We could have been products of rape from Native American owners. Absolutely, we don't think about. So but my question, my question still stands. Prior to Christopher Columbus, yes, what we call Native Americans. What race are they? Black. Point blank, damn period. Because Black. Their nationality yeah. is American. They're in they're so North America. They know that they're Indian. American. Yeah. Black. Race are Black. 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 They Black. Were, they, were, they were part of Mexico. They were part of. <laughs> they were Black. part of Mexico, but the, the name, it was a different. It was a different, um, like, um, Mexican. That was the name of them, black. They were black, black, black. Guess what? The truth is, if you're from Puerto Rico, Hawaii, I don't give a fuck where you're from. You're black, man. We ain't about to keep playing these shade games. Because that's what it is. It's a shade game. So I'm just telling you the truth. It's a shade game, man. Before racism was even a concept. That what you're saying is before it was a concept. How you know what what a, what a concept was when we see plenty of racism in Africa in biblical days? Jesus told a whole flock of white folks that he wasn't his brothers. Man, hey, he told. I'm just saying in the Bible, Jesus looked at the Jews who were quote unquote white folks and told them, "Y'all can't hang with us unless you jump in this water and bathe, cause your skin all raggedy." Yeah, matter of fact, we just can't pray over y'all. We gotta back. You white folks. That's that's race. These people were aware. White people never existed. And once they got here, now we start talking about different colors of people. But at some point, we gotta acknowledge the fact that we 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 playing shade game because you can't say Mexico is what what do you mean Mexico? Mexico is full of black people. Brazil is full of black people. And guess what? The Indians that, that, that had 48% of the slaves, like you said, yeah, they was raping them. And they and, and everybody they raped, they all lost their rights when we put Negro and African American on our birth certificate. Soon as we start signing over our rights, we didn't have the right to the land. And, and what they did here, they made sure they weren't able to do where you at because what you said is exactly what has went on in America and and, and, and what sh and, and the way to fix it is the way that Canada done it. They they it's all about paperwork. It's all about paperwork. Now we in America we fight and and, and, and anybody listening to this, you know, I had a conversation with somebody the other day and they were like, why do Nigerians hate us? Why do all these different black people from Africa come down here and they just hate us? 
I don't know if you guys experienced it, but in prison, it kind of felt like that. It kind of felt like black people from other continents didn't really like us or respect us. All right, so Jay, I know I'm it's probably going to take you a while to type it, but I'm going to need you to type out exactly what you mean by this statement right here. Oh, right, yeah, this one. Of the, the Barron Strait, um, during the, um, the Ice Age, it, it is, according to geography and all these other sciences, um, there were people that came over when they migrated during that time. That's what he means from through Alaska, through China. Because believe it or not, on the furthest tip of, of Canada or Alaska, you can actually see um, Russia and other parts of the world. You can and Sarah Palin told us that. She can see it from the sure. backyard. Yeah. So um, that's how close the northern part of of Canada is to the other parts of the world. So basically, he's just talking about the Bering Strait and the migration. But well, yeah, I think Elijah Muhammad, you know, came out and talked his way back in the 60s. He said, we're not from Africa, we're from Asian Minor. He been said black people came from but, Asia. But if you, look at, if you look at migration patterns and things like that, everybody still points back to going coming from Africa. Well, we all got to remember the dynamic. The dynamics was different. The, ge the geography. The, they At one yes. point, they were saying the land was stuck together and it wasn't split up. So yes, we, we, did, yeah. we, yeah, we, we, we want to stay in timelines and, 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 re and respect the timelines mm -hmm. and that era. But when we come all the way back to 2022, I mean, racism is a shade game. Anytime, and and and, it, and it's almost they didn't weaken down racism, and so, they weakened uh, down justice. Believe it or not, I believe racism is actually played on a two-part scale. There, there is racism, racism of poor people, and then there's racism of people that actually have money, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's classism, if anything. Yes, but the, the, then there's racism within your class. Mm -hmm. Right. So those that live not to talk bad about people that live in trailer parks, but for the white trailer park people, like their 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 racism doesn't really affect the guy that's driving the bins that's heading his way down uptown to his condo, right? But the racism when he gets to his condo is that the clerk will check in the white guy before they check in him. Mm -hmm. And so there's still a different class system that we have to face. And now a lot of people say that we should focus more on that versus actual racism. So my question is: Is what do you guys think? Do you think we should focus more on the class uh, of classism, where we're talking about money, and then going from there and the wealth gap, or should we focus more on the racism between different people? Racism between the different races. Classism is a completely different beast to tackle. Yeah, and I say it's a bit of both because a couple years ago. When the prime minister here, prime minister here Trudeau, um, it was revealed that he did um, blackface twice. I think he was trying to look like an Indian from India. It still got reelected, and you see, you see that where there's a certain level, a certain exception, because of legacy and all these other things. So it has to be a bit of both. Mm -hmm. But the issue, you would never get rid of racism ever. You're not going to get rid of the isms. Because we oh, yeah. always want to be special, we always want to be different, and then say, "You can't fit into my club because of this." Whether yeah. it's racism or how we speak or how we carry ourselves, or if we're part of the LBGT plus um, communities, we're always going to create categories, so we're never going to get rid rid of it. Mm -hmm. So, how can we mitigate an issue that is so ingrained since the beginning of time? Is is a mental and a spiritual 
game and it is slow, unfortunately. Absolutely. And they're both like stemmed in systemic like issues. So classism and racism have like underlying laws that protect it and mm-hmm. everything else. So it's it's a beast to tackle. And to be honest, because um, one of my questions was, it, will there ever be an end to racism? And no, no. When there's an end for the constant search for power, that's when racism will end, and that will never end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe as long as there's different people with different views, there will always be a struggle, right? As long as we have different views on different, on you know, no matter what it is, there will always be a struggle because I'm going to believe my way is right, you're going to believe your way is right. And then until we figure out, sorry, the dog is sitting over here, until we figure out how to fix or come together on making sure that our views are the same, then there'll always be an issue. But that's just like, you know, murder. There will always be murder. Someone's always going to disagree and end up killing somebody. There's always going to be evil in the world. Now, the question is, is how do we reduce it? How do we minimize it to as much as possible? We have to get rid of being- Segregation. Segregation. Segregation's not going Hey, hey, hey. I know, I know it sound bad. I know it sound bad. I know it sound bad. I know it, dude, but guess what? The fact is, is when you're cultivated and we get back to being in our real original culture, it's always been like that. You got the people that eat roaches over here. You got people that cook their food over here. You got people that still hunt and don't give a damn about lights and technology over there. You got the people who want nothing but technology and riding. T- <laughs> but a lot of people would be inclined to that segregation ending segregation actually made things worse for me but here's the thing you look at country middle eastern countries that have pretty much the same race same color everything besides religion and look at them they still so many people are migrating from africa different places in africa because it's so corrupt and they all the same skin color But a lot of people, I believe, and I believe segregation would have happened if the bombing of Tulsa had never happened. I believe segregation would have stayed a thing. They wouldn't have, black people wouldn't have mind saying, you know what? We got this side of America. Y'all got that side of America. We going to do what we do over here. Y'all going to do what y'all do over here. And then the only way that it gets messed up is if somebody from one side or the other says, you know what? Nah, I'm too greedy. I need more side over there. I need more from over there to, you know, so that's that's the only way. But I mean, a lot of people do agree that you know segregation was the best way. A lot of people outside of the United States believe that you should marry within your race. You should do things within your race and within your own people. That's what they believe. America's the only. Well, I'm gonna say we're the only one, but a large part, Western culture is the only culture that believes that you should start into you know bringing different cultures into your your melting pot. Well, the thing is, if you if we look at European history, it was never about rate, really race when it came to the elite class. It was, it was about money. It was about it was about politics. Money, so power and looks. And then yeah. when more people had the opportunity to get money because it wasn't you know the royals versus the commoners, then it was like, okay, what else can we can we put them down for? Yeah, like how far do we keep moving this goalpost? Your age, ageism. 
Like all the isms. I mean, nah, man. At certain ages, motherfuckers should stop doing stuff. Nah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, right? it, it is true. Don't get me wrong. It's true. Know. Like 65, but... 65, 70 motherfuckers should stop driving. Absolutely, 100% agree on that. Get off, get off the road. Do you get 65, 70 years old? Tell me you want to give up your driver's license. Yeah, I do. I want to give it up right now. I don't feel like driving right now. I don't like people now. 70 years old, I don't want to be around nobody. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, though. With the hierarchy of classes, right, which is when we had a monarchy, what happened? The lower class revolted. They said, no, we'll just kill all of them. To yeah. rebalance everything. So they went from that to, you know, let's try to figure out how we do a democracy, right? How do we make it to where one person isn't ruling everything? But democracy itself is an illusion because you're always grabbing for power. And now instead of having, you know, votes, I go back to this um, this um, term He's called bread. That the Illuminati try to get people for. No, I go back to this ideal of bread and circuses, which is a... T- um, is an ancient is a um, ancient philosophical term that means pretty much if the rich people feed and entertain the masses, they can do whatever they want with the country. Mm-hmm. This is why basketball and entertainment is pushed so much. Well, we don't know what's happening in our political spheres and what's happening because we are being we are being pacified to the point we are numb. Some of us don't want to know because it's too hard or it's too complicated. Yeah, it's a harsh truth for a lot of stuff to realize. Um, and But I believe that in creating stuff like sports, you've created so many jobs. That's true. So I'm, I'm, it's a pro-con situation. You've, you've created so many ways for people to come out of a struggle situation that they may have been in, right? You know, a lot of yeah. basketball players do come from low-income areas, you know. And now that they have a taste of what life could be like, not at the bottom, they don't want to give that up, you know? Yeah, and but that's why people like, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not blaming LeBron James at all for taking the max. Get no. your dollar. Get every bit of it. But that's why they take every dime they can get. They don't know when this stuff is going to go away. I don't know when this, and I need to have money, not for just my grandkids, but my great-grandkids. I can change and revolutionize the way my entire family tree has been. All we need. But that's because some people hired me Wave some money over me and made me do something. You know. Exactly. That's that's basically what it is. They they know that you won't tamper with their system as long as they dangle that carrot in front of you. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can get a sliver of what we got. You're like, okay, well, him, 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 her, and her achieved it. So clearly, I can do that. So I'm going to try my life, my entire life, to get this carrot instead of trying to attack the person dangling in front of me. I mean, I mean, because I believe a lot of times that's that's easier said than done, right? Absolutely. So like, so like even in the financial standpoint, when we say get out of the rat race, right? Get out of the rat race. Stop going around in circles when it comes to your finances and debt. It's easier to say, you know what? It's easier to collect food stamps. It's easier to collect government assistance. It's easier to worry about a nine to five than it is to create my own job, my own income. That's a lot harder because now it's I have to rely on people to get me to the things that I need. I have to, and I have to give you a reason to do so. If I walk up to you, Brittany, and I try to sell you something, I have to give you a reason to buy it. Otherwise you'd be like, no, I'm not going to waste my money on that. I can use my money for something else, but that's harder than just saying, you know what? Let me go work for the guy that's just going to pay me. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I sometimes I believe you. I mean, and it's it's just a cycle. You know, there's always going to be a boss. There's always going to be somebody that runs everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we have keep kicking me out. They keep kicking me out. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. You over here speaking hot fire. <laughs> the man don't want you to speak, Clarence. So my question to you guys, it's kind of like, not necessarily age old, but you know, a very common question. Can black people be racist? No. Mm, I think we can be prejudiced. Absolutely. You can be prejudiced, but you cannot racism comes with power. Yeah. You we don't have that power to be able to put another race down. Right. Especially Absolutely. because, and we all know this phrase, Everybody want to be a nigga, but nobody wants to be a nigga. Until it's time to be a nigga. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. no, I do not. Because you cannot, black people cannot oppress. Like, the, the oppressed cannot be the oppressor. It, it doesn't well, we like can it. oppress within our own class and in our own race. So yeah, that's not racism. That's not yeah, racism. Right. But colorism. It's colorism. Yeah, or oppression, because we don't speak yeah. the same. Or, you know, you know when we used to have this quote unquote this level of blackness because I was I was a victim of that because my mom wouldn't allow me to do certain things. I I didn't listen to rap music growing up. I was I'd have to li I listen to opera. Oh, because that's what my mom huh. wanted me to listen oh, to. Bless your heart. No, I like opera. Like I do. No, I just had to be rough on a kid growing up. Yeah, you go to school with all these black kids and it's like you listen to this no. But I'm right. okay with you watch this, you hear about this, right? Now I yeah. get that. But yeah. I learned how to walk and be genuinely Rochelle at an early age because I had to. I, I couldn't. I, I, you back? I heard you. I heard what you said too. You say you, they made you listen to opera, huh? <laughs> no, nah, she liked it. She did it herself. That's what. Like oh, that's good. That's good. And I, and I and I just want to. I don't know if I'm gonna get kicked out, but I want to say something that you're totally right. Nobody, and I'm talking to the world. None of us can continue to use our black cards to keep kicking and shunning black people down. Oh, my black is blacker than yours because I grew up and they ain't had no money. My black is blacker than yours because I went to prison. My black is blacker than yours because I was molested and beat on and I made it through. My black is blacker than yours because I'm from this hood and you not. It's always been a big separation in black families with the people who go to church and college and maybe even the military versus the ones who went to the streets and didn't get shit but a GED if they got that. And we as black people cannot continue to kick each other down and beat each other down because we gay, straight, broke, or rich. If we don't have that space, we don't have that capacity. If we talking about coming together, I believe black people got enough resources, enough intelligence, and enough strength to do that without having to humiliate one another while we're trying to do it. So I totally agree with you. I feel like there's so many people who feel like they're not black because they talk proper or because they got a better education or because they didn't bend over and let everybody hit them from the back every chance they got. And we ain't got the right to keep doing that to one another. And I just want to piggyback on what you said. I live by that, man. I stand on that. On that. I tell a lot of, of my leaders and friends every day, 
that, you know, we have to be aware of this and we have to be serious and we have the right to change the, 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 uh, the, the dynamics and change the wording on this by being content creators like ourselves. Because mm -hmm. remember, that's, that's, that's the first thing we're going to hear. Well, why, why, why should, why should we care? Black, black people kill each other all the time. Why do we care for cop kills a black person? Oh, oh, y'all, y'all wasn't saying nothing when, when black guy killed another black guy. I'm like, well, the difference is, is he didn't kill him because he was black. Right. That's just regular crime. Like that's yeah. just crime. White that's people, regular. white people, black people, well, like that's crime. We're the only ones that get labeled that way. No yeah. other minority gets you labeled that way. White, white people don't get labeled Asian that way. Asian it's Asian literally Asian. just black. Just black. But I'm in I'm in Austin. I know you said you was from H the uh from the H Rich, and I'm living in the most segregated city in the world. Yeah, I know. So I when know. I say when I say segregation, I know it sounds like I'm going way back, and I'm walking somewhere in New Jersey or something with a bow tie on, but it's not. <laughs> you already segregated. How many how many people how many times you ladies going to get your nails and eyebrows done, and it's full of Asians. No, not the ones working there. I'm talking about how many times you go in there and the place packed full of Asians because they support an Asian business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen that way. We've been segregated. We've still been segregated even when they told us we wasn't. And it's what crazy. I've been saying from the get-go. What's crazy is they're not crucified for it either. When you go to Asian-owned businesses, they, they only hire other Asians. Mm -hmm. Now it might be inside their family, and they claim that it's family owned. But for the most part, they only hire other Asian people. They don't hire anyone else outside of that. But if when we go to because, and I say the reason why white com white companies should be different is because white companies own majority of land and companies, so they should have a little bit more diversity. But you know, when a, a, a Hispanic restaurant or, or, or supermarket, they only hire they only hire Hispanic people. Right. That's all I do. Yeah. I um to speak to what Clarin was saying about segregation, when you first brought it up, I was like, yikes. But when I think about it as an HBCU grad, um, going to Howard University, being surrounded by other black people, that was the safest I've ever felt. Um, just being able to walk around at night, being surrounded by other people who look like me. That was the literally the safest I ever felt. So you We're, know, as extreme as it sounds, it's not. It's not I mean, my thing is, all I wanted the listeners to hear what I'm saying because I got y'all and y'all can see me and y'all can hear me. But for the listeners who may catch this recording, do you go to white churches? How many white churches do you walk in and see it full of black people? You don't see these things. Look, listen, and learn, please, people. Segregation ain't never left. We still segregated. We still segregated, even in our homes, man. We most of the people that's doing broadcasts are coming up with dialect of what you bring to the table, what she don't bring to the table. We're talking about black women and black men relationships most of the time, and how we can either amend them or what looks silly. Most people just want numbers. They want attention. They want the views. I'm consistent about being with people who want to get antidotes for these diseases, who want to come out and get answers for these questions. They want to fix something and change the next 10 years of our children's existence because they're, they're, they're aware of what's going on and they're not afraid to call an ace an ace 
and a duck a duck. We have went way too far left, and we are afraid to confront. We are afraid to stare down in the face of these obstacles because we think they're not going to like us no more. Well, guess what, America? Y'all been shit with me anyway. So whatever I say come out of my mouth, if y'all want to cancel me, cut me off, don't want to come over my house and eat the last muscle and bread I got, fuck you. You ain't never got to come. Because they'll do nothing for me anyway. And I apologize for my language. But I just had to say it. I had to say it straight like that. Because the, the truth of the matter is, somebody got to be able to get out there and sacrifice and say, hey, y'all can take everything I ever earned. Y'all can take the titles. Y'all can take the materials. But my dignity, my integrity, my love for my people, Y'all would never be able to take because God gave me this. God put this in for me, and it comes straight from God. I ain't make this. He gave this to me. So I'm going to stand on what I believe, and I'm going to stand firm. But please, people, quit being naive. You still segregated. The Asians don't kick with you, kick it with you. The Mexicans barely kick it with you unless you're protecting them and helping them sell their dope. Hell, if you ain't doped up, you probably don't kick it with nobody. Your ass turned into a whole loner once you stop being a stoner. Your ass can't even find no friends. So, so my thing is, guess what, America? Your ass is still segregated. You can't live in the neighborhoods you want to. As soon as you get enough money and move in a white neighborhood, they gonna all come together. Cause guess what, white they folks, find they find ways to kick you out. They call it the HOA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, they've been doing that. That's why. That's that's where we got it from. Where you think we got that from? We learned that from white folks. When another black person come in our hood, do you think it's natural just because you stay across the street for me to actually hate you and have a problem with you? That's that's what gang banging is. It's a damn street between us. Yeah. And and, and guess what? Don't go over there and mess with them Negroes over there, Uncle Ruckus looking ass. And don't go over there and messing with them, Uncle Ruckus looking ass. Why? But guess what? She just told us when she got to the HBCU, she felt the safest. Now, every opportunity that I had in my life to build, bond, learn, and do group economics, you ignorant, blind, deaf, and dumb Negroes told me don't go over there. Oh, Pastor, so, blind, ignorant, deaf, and dumb? <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. They all deaf, dumb, and blind if you refuse. And again, this is only for the people who refuse to embrace wisdom. Okay, you're smart. You got education. You got your damn diplomas and all that. I'm, hey, I love it. I love education. I'm an educator. But the Bible specifically speaks about wisdom. And, and, and if you ever think about it, what is it? What is knowledge? What is a form of education and what is wisdom? Hey, you might not got none. So find somebody that do and hang with them all day until you learn what you need to learn. Because at this point, we are killing ourselves. We can talk about racism. We can talk about other races, how they don't treat us, how they don't like us. But it always going to go back to the man in, in the mirror. If we do this right by ourselves, nobody else will ever have anything to say. Because I'm in Austin, and it's 20 different type of cultures here, and guess the only conversation we having is black and white. Matter of fact, anywhere I go, anytime, hell, we don't even talk about other cultures on a real national scale. We're talking about black people 
and white people as if we the only ones exist you know what i mean the hate crimes started happening that's when they were mainly in you know the media talking about asian hate crimes and jamal had said earlier like it was so quick for them to get that bill literally two months when literally lynching just became illegal because the this guy year. that bill would be a hypocrite. He's the same guy that locked black people up in the 90s. He would be a yeah, hypocrite to come out and say, oh, hey, protect black people. Because he did not do that in 1998 when he wrote these true crime bills mm-hmm. that were locking black people, specifically black people up. But that's where the frustration comes from. They stopped the hate towards another minority but they didn't give a fuck about Wait. black people dying in the street. No. You're, we are literally having murders being televised from beginning to fucking end, and not a single thing is being stopped. No, because if they but, tried to stop it, they would be hypocrites. So they, yeah, they would rather be a fucking hypocrite then. They would rather be a hypocrite to help any minority people. if you're going to put a minority down. That's my argument. If you have, if you're willing to put one minority down and fuck them over to the furthest furthest extent, you look like a hypocrite by trying to protect another one. Yeah, they'd rather, yeah, they'd rather keep their, I guess, their ideals as much as possible. They're, they'd it's, rather it's keep that goalpost that. active. It's, it's right. bigger than that because you also got to look at how um, internationally money and politics play hand in hand. When you're talking about the Asian hate bill, uh, uh, most of the American debt is owned by China. And then we have we have treaties and stuff with Japan and other things like that. You we like we're defending Taiwan against China, even though technically there's the same people group. So you have to look at international politics and overlay into how decisions are being made in the American context. It's all connected. After Trump, that that makes a lot of sense because like he was already pitching off a lot of hatred towards China. So there's that. So, yeah, th- that's where we, we kind of understand. I want to go back to a comment. I think either it was Claren or Rich uh, talked about, about Africans hating us. Um, and I've had not conversations me. because um, me being here and not many Black Americans living in Canada, I've only found two others. Oh, wow. And it, took, it took eight, it took five years to find them. And I've never met them in person. <laughs> anyway, um, and and I remember my friend's daughter asking me, can you explain to me some things about Black Americans? She really didn't understand. And she is the daughter of a Nigerian and a Liberian, a Liberian born and raised in the Netherlands. She didn't, she don't, she didn't understand. She doesn't understand the American context. So some of it is that they don't understand and two, they're also, like Clarence said, you know, we're afraid that people don't like us. A lot of Africans, when they come here, they don't care that you don't like them. They're like, give me my money, respect me, and I'm going to climb and get out of this. And well, I'm, 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 I'm going to ask it on the other end, not Africans that come here, but if we were to go yeah. to Africa, right? Yeah. How because they want our opportunity. They, they want our citizenship. We nah, they, they want to be up here. Why though? Why? Why, why the hell you come here and act with this shitty attitude? They don't help us build nothing. They don't build with us. They don't like us. Let's be clear. They don't like us, okay? And you come all the way down here to listen to our music, dress like us, 
fix your bald biscuit head up like us, and then you turn around and act like you got a problem. That's the only thing I don't understand about people around this world. How y'all act like y'all hate black Americans so much? But everything y'all do, y'all every y'all trying to be like us everywhere in the world. Well, we're getting too deep into it. They think that we are living the American dream. They think we're just living it up over here. So when we go over there, they're like, "Oh, you're uppity. Like you, you're not from here. Like you're not really a native of this land. So why should we embrace but, it?" Because here's my thing. I would, I would, I was almost going to say, "Do you believe that that's a Western culture thing, or is that a black thing?" But I would argue that it has to be a black thing because when white people go to Africa, they don't treat them like that. So it's not a Western thing. Thank you. People go to Africa, they're not treated like, oh my God, we think. Thank you. And guess who own most of the property? Guess who own most of the property in Africa? White folks. No, China in some in some countries. Yeah, they they white too hell. They 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 just another another color white. You remember what the mama said on Friday here? They white too. They just eat rice. Whatever you want to call it, they don't own their own shit. Now, how you come all the way from Africa instead? You know, the truth is, they should have been down there fighting for their own shit instead of coming down here and smelling their ass and acting like they don't want to build with us because you said it already, Rochelle. Black people here fight for shit. We'll go to war for something, man. They do fight for it. The difference is. Well, they don't got nothing. Why they ain't got nothing? It was stolen due to colonialism. We got our shit stolen too. We got our sister on too. So what? Why they ain't did nothing? And then you want to sit up here and give them a pass talking about they think we live in the... You're a damn lie. You know how many black leaders and went over there and told them people what these white folks were doing to us? Mm. They didn't never cared. Africa had enough troops. They had enough resources. They had all the things they needed to come and stop slavery here. They definitely didn't have the resources. Due to their own corruption. They definitely didn't have the resources. They definitely, I will agree, they still didn't give a shit. But they definitely did not have the resources or the manpower to deal with the United States. Not at that time frame. At that time frame, a man, them Africans is square business. They could have brought 500 Africans over here and got us about this bitch. They've been bad. You have to look how you also went through Africa and colonized different parts of it. So they were also dealing with their own type of oppression. Yeah, Africa definitely I know. So that's that's what I'm saying. How y'all let them come to your shit and run your shit. See, they didn't come to our shit. We supposedly was brought to this motherfucker fucked up. But they over there ready and supposed to be on it. But no, no, no. Y'all let some white folks come to Africa, colonize y'all, then come to America and say, we live in the American dream. No, 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 we live in the African dream. You niggas dropped the ball. That's what's really going on. But blame us. Blame everybody over here because that's what's going on. They don't want to hold themselves accountable for nothing. You know, this this mind frame, I, again, is evident. If we look and we listen, we can learn. Every time somebody says something, it goes back to what I've already expected. How can these things exist as if it's like everybody just giving somebody a free pass to be a piece of shit? No, I don't care what color you is. Don't come back down here being a piece of shit, okay? Point blank period. Don't come down here with no attitude and acting like we all uppity and don't want to build with us because that's what's going on. And guess what we take? We take on all the fight. If they kill an African or a Nigerian that's just been down here, guess who's going to fight? 
us. They ain't shutting down Africa. They ain't tearing up Africa for African getting killed down here. But we are. And that has to be seen. You got to notice this stuff. It exists right here in front of us. And even if it's not hate or some type of bias or whatever, no American goes to a whole nother country and just says, oh, y'all not shit. You know what they say? I don't ever want to go back to America. Take me to Africa. I really live in Morocco. I really live in anywhere else but America. But we can't get that. We can't get the love or the respect from our own people around the continent. And I think that it's our time as influencers for us to save some of our little money or get our baby mamas or Kim folks. Somebody got to chunk in and we go to Africa and talk to these people ourselves because we got some sense. You know, we go there and talk to them and let's start building international business, international conversations that will empower our better halves on these continents. I believe it's coming too. Everybody ain't crazy. I believe that we know we need to we need to connect with Africa, you know, and all these different black continents. We need to connect with them. And if they don't know, Rochelle, if they are not aware of the treatment of the black uh, American man and woman, then we need to make sure they know. Because I'm not understanding how they don't. So I think I think the reason I'm not going to say solely the reason, but a lot of people's exposure to African Americans or Black people in America is through media, and we all know how we're portrayed in media. Yeah. Like so, when we go to their countries, they're expecting us to be thugs. They're expecting us to be, you know, ghetto or whatever. Like they're expecting us to be something that most people are not when they head over there. Um, disrespectful to their culture, all of that. So we go, um, we go into these situations with the cards stacked against us to begin with. Whether it be Africa um, or literally any other country, their their only image of us is what they see on TV. I don't believe it because them motherfuckers dress just like us. At the end, have you seen the they NBA lately? I'm I'm just saying though. So they obviously watching something. Get from us. Yeah. That, that they got it from. I'm saying, but how else? How else can you take an artist like DMX and take him to Africa, and he got two million people there if they ain't watching, listening, learning everything? It's yeah. impossible for them not to know. They do know what's going on. They don't give a damn. That's the truth. They don't give a damn because they are aware of what's going on. You seen the NBA draft? I probably seen five Americans get drafted this year, man. And no, ain't none of them uh, 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 black. Uh, I don't, don't want to say it like that. But ain't none of them dark-skinned, uh, uh, homegrown American ball players. They all come from all over the seas. All from every, all these other places. And they joining the NBA. And that's who the NBA getting. There ain't nothing but 50 people can go. So they knocked us out a whole nother probably 10 years. We, we might not never find another LeBron the way that they recruiting. Hell, we won't never see him. If he do come, he going to come from Iraq. Yeah, it's great that you say that. And we'll talk about this more on Saturday, Rich, on our Shit Talk Saturday. But I just heard today on the news that um, some record label just signed their first virtual artist, like the first virtual rapper. And they said, because going out and finding talent is too time consuming and expensive. And the thing is, is that means you're cutting out opportunity for Black people. 
essentially. Not I mean, that black so people are the only people dudes, rapping, but due to <clears throat> the way uh, streaming works now, right? SoundCloud and all this other stuff, the way that things happen, it's really easier for them to find you that way than it is for them to go city to city or you to try to walk up to right. somebody, right. give them a tape and say, hey man, listen to me this, right? And when you're a choosing a white virtual to- person over even SoundCloud rappers, you're still yeah. choosing to kind you're of- You're still like, cheating the artist. What is a virtual rapper if it's not- I mean, the virtual rapper, animated no, like, rapper, that's said, not the first time this has ever happened. Though. Like, this not not been a very SoundCloud, I'm talking about like like a virtual, like not a real person. Like, yeah. Um, like AI? Yeah. yeah. Not, not artificial not intelligence. Yeah. A pure yeah. artificial intelligence artist. I seen it earlier today, too. They have oh, that's, like, that's like when Michael Jackson can still perform, what's it? Yeah, it's a whole nother ball game. That's why we got to go in and come together, go against YouTube, everybody. Fuck it. If you're an artist, you're supposed to be getting paid more than Barry Bonds. You know why? Because we got Africans, Chinese, Mexicans, we got all of them calling each other niggas, want to be black. I listen to Mexicans rap right now, and guess what they do? Nigga this, nigga that, nigga this, nigga that. My niggas. You see what I'm saying? And guess what? If they go ever go viral, they probably going to get beat up. They probably going to get shut down because everybody ain't okay with it. Now I'm from Texas, okay? So we used to run into some, some Spanish people who didn't lived in the hood to say the word nigga, and we okay with it. They cool. But you take that same person we okay with, and you make him a national artist, and he starts saying nigga this and nigga that and nigga this. Oh, it's going down. Everybody ain't okay with it. And 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 honestly, artists, we have to understand that artists, they not, they 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 they're artistic. They're not worried about the business most of the time. So the people that are behind these people who are worried about the business, this is very important to us. We already been losing a shitload of money by not owning our music, not owning our masters. Hey, I'm looking at uh um who is this? I think it was Aretha Franklin. I think it was Aretha Franklin. Yeah, I think no, was it Aretha Franklin or Anita? But one of them just came out and said she just was able to own her masters because she got help. Huh? Anita. It was Anita. So Anita just got you know ownership of her masters and Chance the rapper, right? Somebody that's 40 years younger than her helped her establish this type of ownership. We're talking about only a handful of full of uh, uh, artists uh, in our whole in, uh, history of existence really being able to own their own masters in music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So making yeah, an artificial yeah, artist yeah, is yeah. the staple and the stamp of saying, you guess what? Now y'all ain't gonna never be able to come back over here. We done took your music, your colors, your hair. Everybody got dreads. Now y'all ain't getting nothing. Either you gonna recreate it all over again, or we done stolen and snatched it in your face. All right. Um, just we, we gotta close the episode. Go ahead, go ahead, We're definitely gonna have a part two of this. But to like build off of your point from that. Tomorrow's interview is going to be centered around educating black youth with Mr. Howard Robinson. And now, Rich, you can take it away. All right. Go ahead. Finish your statement, Rochelle. All I was going to say, the AI thing is a money move more than anything. <laughs> because then you can make the voice sound what you want, make the person look the way you want. Mm-hmm. It's all about money and ownership Ooh. of music and other things. It has, it does have race imp- racial implications, but it's money. Because no, you, you I, I that, yeah. 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 Well, that's it. We do have to wrap this up. Thank you guys for joining us um tonight. 
Um, and this ed very educated talk. I've learned a lot <laughs> uh, from both of you guys. Um, Thank you. Uh, but like I said, we're going to end it out with our sponsors over there, RDI Financial. Um, if you guys, we always, what their slogan is, if, uh, you can't help broke people being broke. So I need my black people um, to get your credit together, get your financials together, get your financial literacy together, if anything. Even if you feel like you got, oh, I got a seven-month credit score, I got my own house. Get your financial literacy together and teach it down to our youth, all right? Uh, but if you know somebody who's trying to get their stuff together, fix it and get it fixed, send them over to RDI Financial, uh, have them message me, and I'll get them taken care of. Um, with that being said, Brittany know all of that, you know, be safe, be black, be uh, Stay unapologetically black. Stay dangerous. Y'all be great. <laughs> See y'all later. Have a good night. Already. Have a good Peace. one. Peace. Good night.